Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled and said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench. He has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and as Jesus raised his eyes, he said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd here, I have said this, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out tied hand and foot with burial bands and his face wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go. Now many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he had done began to believe in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, friends, good morning. Let me just start by saying how absolutely honored and humbled I am to be celebrating this funeral for uh, this awesome, awesome woman, for your sister, your mom, your grandma. Special word first to the eight, to the grandkids, to Grace and Mary, Abe, Zach, Michael, Eli, Hannah, and Isaac. I know how special she was to you. There's something incredibly special about the bond between uh, grandma and her grandkids. Um, My, both of my grandmothers were incredible women and uh, I miss them both tremendously. So I just know, I know how special she was to you and I know how special you were to her, even though as the grandsons you probably baffled her most of your lives. So that's okay. When I stepped into her room last week at St. Ed's, uh, St. Edward's to anoint her to be with you guys, uh, Josh and Beth. What I was immediately struck by was uh, how it looked like a shrine to the eight of you. There were pictures of you guys everywhere in her room. Uh, Everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Everywhere you looked, there was pictures of her grandkids. It was as if she wanted uh, to see you no matter where she looked. And I bet that was true both uh, when she was at St. Edward's but also throughout the course of her life. That was her heart for you. That was her heart. It was a lavish heart. That was the thing, Beth, that you shared first when we, when we met. You said it was selfless, absolutely selfless. 
Like that's a heart that is lavish and selfless and just gave a love that was indulgent. Um, that's also what a grandmother's love is supposed to be, indulgent. It's an indulgent love. I loved hearing about the nanny camps and the trips to the dollar store and Target and all of those things, trips to bids. She had, you had her heart. You know, friends, as I was praying about all of this, as I was thinking about the fact that we're celebrating this funeral in the midst of uh, Advent as we're just a few days away from Christmas, it's hard saying goodbye to someone this time of year. It's, I mean, it's hard saying goodbye, period, but it's especially hard during this season when this is a season marked by, these are times marked by family and slowing down and getting together and gifts and traditions and, and food and meals and all of the things and, and the anticipation that builds and knowing that there's going to be an empty chair where someone used to sit, right? Someone very special that no one can take that place. Right? That's the power of our each, you know, our creation, that we are each unique and unrepeatable and irreplaceable images of God. No one can take your place. No one can take her place. No one can sit in that chair that she sat in. So what are we here to do today? That was the question that I brought to the Lord. What are we here to do today? Well, I'll tell you first what we're not doing in this funeral mass. This is not simply, uh, like as the culture says, this is not simply like a memorial service where we are here to uh, fondly remember uh, just someone who's now gone. That's not what we're doing here. Sure, that's part of it, but the heart of it, the deep part of it, is that we're here because, yes, death is sad, and tears need to be shed, and grief needs to be welcomed. All of that is true, but we're here because we need to be reminded. We're here to remind ourselves that death isn't the end, that death doesn't have the final word, the death masquerades like a bully in our culture, in our humanity, but death is just a sham because of what Jesus did, that there is a power at work in this world that is stronger than death. That's why we begin this Mass, every funeral Mass, by signing ourselves with the cross, right? In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, we, we lift up again the cross. We drape her casket with the cross. You see the cross there. There's a cross on her casket, right? The cross is the victory of Jesus over death, right? We, we're here to be reminded that, like, there is a power at work in this world that is stronger than death, and his name is Jesus Christ. We're here to breathe deeply of something that we need so desperately, not just simply, like, this time of year, but right now, we need hope. Hope that this isn't like, hope that all is not lost, right? Hope that there, like that the grave isn't just a hole, but a doorway. We need the hope of, that only Jesus brings. We need the hope to be, to believe that there will be more embraces, like tighter embraces still yet to come, that there will be more love, there'll be more life. That's the hope. This is not just mere Christian optimism. This is Christian hope. St. Paul says that we do not grieve like the pagans grieve. Because they grieve as ones who don't have hope. We grieve as Christians grieve. Jesus comes to the tomb of his friend Lazarus. And you hear those words. The one who is, has the power of life and death. Still. And Jesus wept. Right? We grieve, but our tears are mingled with hope. Our tears are mingled with hope because Jesus, who lived a totally human life, went to the bitterest end of our human story. He went to the scariest place. He entered into death, right? That's what he's doing here. Again, it's why we hold up the cross. 
He entered into death. That man entered into death not as a hapless victim. He entered into death as a warrior to do combat with death, to defeat it. That's what he's doing on the cross. That's what he's doing on Holy Saturday. He enters into death and defeats it because he's life itself. And when death swallowed life, death didn't find life very tasteful. So he spat life out on the third day. And Jesus gave that spirit that has the power over death to his church. He gave it to your nani at her baptism. And every time she received Eucharist, every time she prayed, that life that has the power over death entered more deeply into her. That's why we have hope. That's why we have hope. Yes, we have tears today. Yes, we feel lost today. Yes, we grieve today. But we have something else. We have hope because of Jesus Christ. I was so struck, uh, Josh and Beth, when I, when I came whatever day that was last week, to, to anoint her on the 8th, the day that she died. When I came into her room, uh, I thought it was so awesome, Josh, that you asked me to sing with you that song, Hail, O Queen, right? I was praying to St. Anthony to find a tune. Like, I was trying to find the melody. I was like, really, I felt the pressure. I felt the pressure. You had those amazing harmonies. I'm like, oh, gosh, right? Here she is. She's dying, and I'm, I have to sing. And I, it was just, it was a lot of pressure, but I loved it. I love that we got to do that. I love that you invited me to do that. Anyway, after that, we anointed her and we prayed the, the, the glorious mysteries of the rosary. And um, that was such a gift. I was so honored to be there. And from where I was sitting, my vantage point, I don't know if you saw this at any point, but from where I was sitting, uh, my eyes kept going up to the crucifix up on the wall. Suzanne, I think you hung that crucifix. Um, that perfect placement of that. Because where, from where I was sitting, Jesus' head was turned down as if he was facing her, right? It was like his eyes were fixed on her from that vantage point. Like here he was, this is what I just kept feeling as we were praying, here he was in the final moments of his life as he's gasping for breath, as he's with her in her final moments of life. Like the shepherd, right? The shepherd never abandons his sheep. He says, I will come to you and I will take you to be with me. I just felt so powerfully like the, the, the image of the Lord right there with her. They were not abandoned in that final moment, right? And there we were praying the rosary, invoking the Blessed Mother, asking her to be with us, to be with Nani at the hour of her death. And she was there. She was so there. Like all the Hail Marys that she had ever prayed throughout the course of her life, right? All the rosaries that she began to pray and then fell asleep, right? You said... Uh, that's, that's a good woman. That's what I do all the time. St. Therese would do that too, by the way, right? St. Therese praying the rosary, and then she'd fall asleep. So if St. Therese could do it, it's good enough for me. Anyway, all the Hail Marys that she had ever prayed throughout the course of her life were, were preparing her for that moment, right? Anytime we pray the Hail Mary, we're preparing for that moment. Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. None, none of us know when that moment's going to be the same moment, the now and at the hour of our death, but every Hail Mary is preparing for that moment. I just couldn't help but think that all of those Hail Marys, all of those prayers and petitions over the years to the Blessed Mother were coming to fruition in that moment, right? Just as she was there with her son at the foot of the cross, she was there with your mom, with your grandma, right there at the foot of her bed. Like there was this commingling of the passions, this commingling of the sufferings, right? Not to mention the fact that she decided to leave this world, to step out of this world on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. I mean, how... If you could pick a day to go meet Jesus and his mom, that's a great day to go. That's a great day to go. But back to that image of the, the crucifix on the wall. 
that image of the, the commingling of their passions, that was the thing that just really struck me that I've really been praying about, that Jesus' suffering and Linda's suffering were mixed together in that moment. That the, Jesus came and, his suf- and suffered not so that we wouldn't suffer. But there's a lot of Christians who get this wrong, thinking that when suffering shows up, it's like, what the heck, Lord? His, he didn't suffer so that we wouldn't suffer. He suffered so that one... When suffering shows up, that our suffering goes from being meaningless to being potentially meaningful, right? As we unite it with him, it's an invitation into deep intimacy with him. And number two, he suffered so that when he, like, he went there, he went to the scariest place of all. He went into death so that not even death could separate us from the love of God, that not even death would be an alienation, but death itself, our deathbed itself would be an invitation into communion. Like, it was as if praying that rosary, it's like I could hear Jesus saying, Linda, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. I am right here. I have not gone anywhere. And I'm with you. I'm with you. Take my hand. I'm with you. Come to me. He was right there. He doesn't abandon us in our death. And of course, it was also within the hour of mercy that she died, right? How beautiful, how beautiful. So here's the question. So what are we to do now? What are all of you, especially her family, her grandkids, what are we invited to do? Well, I want to share a, a quote uh, from Pope Benedict's encyclical on hope. All these themes of Mary and hope, all of these come together here. I just want to share this. He says, With a hymn composed in the 8th or ninth century, thus for over a thousand years, the church has greeted Mary, the mother of God, as star of the sea, with the words, Ave Maristella, Hail, star of the sea. Human life is a journey towards what destination? How do we find the way? Life is like a voyage on the sea of history, often dark and stormy, a voyage in which we watch for the stars that indicate the route. The true stars of our life are the people who have lived good lives. They are lights of hope. Certainly Jesus Christ is the true light, the sun that has risen above all the shadows of history. But to reach him, We also need lights close by, people who shine with his light and so guide us along our way. The Blessed Mother was one of those lights close by, and so was, I'd like to argue this morning, so was and is your Nani. She was a light close by. The way that she lived her life, in particular, the way that she lavished love the way she spent her heart, the way she was selfless, the way she made relationships and people the priority, like that right there. That's the light close by. Like if you want a signpost, if you want a guide to orient your life, you guys, look to her. Look to the things that she prioritized. Look to the way that she lived and how she loved. We're called to learn how to love. That's what we're here doing on this earth. It's what we've got breath in our lungs for. This whole life with all of its joys and sorrows, with all of its ups and downs, gains and losses, all of this, this whole life is just a school of love. 
giving us opportunities to learn how to love, how to be loved, so that when we breathe our last and close our eyes on this world, we have become the kind of creature that can live in love for eternity, because that's what God is. That's what heaven is. It ain't nothing but love. You want a signpost. You want a guide. Look to her. And so we commend you, Linda, to the Lord, and we thank you for being one of those lights who are close by, and we beg of you to pray for us here below, still on the journey of life, still on the seas of life, that we would arrive one day to that homeland where you two are. Amen.